Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We know we have many men that are listening to our show. My name again is Suge Burry, and this is Him for Her Ministries, Women's Hot Topics. And on this radio show is one of five initiatives that we have in our ministry. The first one is radio, bringing the gospel to the darkest corners of the world. And we're freeing women inside and out of prison. The second is uh, speaking, where we go around and we share all the wonderful things that God has done in churches, communities, and events. Uh, The third is prison mentoring. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, as well as prison uh, uh, ministries that we do inside a prison as we go in and out, you know, pre-COVID, and we start to share the gospel with them as well in church services. And the last initiative is uh, a revive home that we have where we help women leaving prison. So as you've kind of picked up, first of all, I love women, and uh, my heart just beats for people that are incarcerated. You know, friends, I'm all about, you know, you do the crime, you do the time, but then also we need to be there to get the love thing right. And that brings my guest that I have here today. Um, her name is Erica Garrity, and thank you, Erica, for coming on. I'm so thankful that you're our guest today. Mm, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Yeah, and she is with Ostara. And with Ostara Initiative, they have the Minnesota Prison Doula Project. And I'm going to just pick her brain on some of these things. What I'm going to start out with, though, is that um, I remember when I was delivering my child. Now, she's 36 years old now. But 36 years ago, I remember seeing officers outside of um, one of the units where a woman was delivering, and she was handcuffed to the bed delivering her child. A lot has changed since then. So Erica, would you tell us what is the doula project? Yeah, I think even what you just said is shocking to folks. I think a lot of people, the reaction is when I begin to talk about the work, they say like, wow, I've just never thought about that before. And when they immediately confront them, it, it makes us all feel a lot of complicated, heavy things. And essentially, that was my experience. When I was in graduate school, I was working at Shakopee Women's Prison, and um, this was in 2002. And I was in the like interning with the parenting program. And one of the other parent, uh, one of the other incarcerated women came to me and said, we have got to do something for the pregnant women here. Like it's just so heavy on my heart and like how they're being treated is not okay. And then a couple days later I was in a room, you know how prison is where there's like a a clear piece of glass and I could see there was a group there for postpartum women who had delivered. And there was a very young student who wasn't a mother herself who knew nothing about the topic teaching that. And I could see just the, I couldn't hear what they were saying, but the expressions on their face, even just the body language, it was so intense. And I, I felt really moved to see like, is there a role I can have in what that one mother had asked me about, which is like, let's just talk about this a little bit more. Like what is actually going on here? Is there a way we could do better by these women and the babies? 
And uh, the doula project really came from that. It came from a lot of conversations. It came from the women themselves, which always, it seems like the best ideas really do if we just are quiet and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took that idea. I went, I got trained as a doula myself. I went to school to be a clinical social worker. I got trained as a doula myself to learn more about that. Now, is that something that uh, you need an education for, you know, to be a doula? Is that like a nursing program or what is that? Yeah. So a doula really, in case anyone hasn't heard of it, it really does three primary functions, Uh, emotional support of pregnant and postpartum people, physical support, teaching them things they can do with their body in pregnancy, labor, postpartum um, to increase their well-being and health and um, informational support. So like being an educator or a resource, um, it's not delivering the baby. It's not the business end of birth. It's more the like heart space (laughs) education piece of it and physically too. Um, So yeah, it's a training program. There's several training programs you can go to where it's sort of independent study. And then you go to a class together and you learn with another group of people. um, And then you have to practice and you have to pass a few tests. Um, Looks a little bit different in some different places, but mostly that's how you get the chance to become a doula. Um, So I was going through this training. I was doing some practicing with some young Um, I was learning, not practicing. I was learning with my clients as my best teachers in community a lot around young pregnant women who are suffering from mental illness was often their first baby. Like, is this an intervention that could even work in the prison? And I saw very quickly, like, wow, just how profound this simple idea of like, I think most folks don't know that there are many women in our communities that go and deliver babies entirely on their own. They might just be dropped off at a hospital. They might not have anyone with them. And to just have the support of another kind of educated, unconditional, loving source with you has very good outcomes. They've studied doula care and it demonstrates uh, really good evidence-based outcomes so what type the of mother evi- and infant's health. What type of evidence-based outcomes have they seen inside of the prison? Has it, how has it benefited them? Yeah. So in our project, what we're really seeing is less postpartum depression, which is what you were naming, right? Is like our whole mind body is primed to be with our babies when they're born. And when you remove an infant from a mother, it is just one of the most catastrophic losses of a lifetime. And as you know, you can be incarcerated for writing a bad check. That actually doesn't have anything to do with how good of a caregiver or a mother you might be. Maybe you were just desperate and needed to get money to feed your kids, right? So we're taking away babies from mothers who, like my experience has been like profoundly love those babies, profoundly want those babies. Um, and so how do we help people? What I saw in the very beginning was people who were like um, becoming, and maybe you saw this too, Shug, but like, just splitting off that experience as if it never happened to them. It was so psychologically traumatizing. So when we began the project, the point was to say, you can have a meaningful role in your child's life, even if you never parent them, but in your pregnancy, right? You can be loving your baby, making healthy lifestyle choices, um, learning about how your baby's growing, talking to your baby, and then having the best possible birth you can have for your infant so it can enter the world like primed to be healthy and have a successful life. How soon, so, how soon can they work with you inside a prison in their pregnancy? 
as soon as they find out they're pregnant. So early. Very early. Yep. Okay. Very early. Yep. I've even had clients myself who've been in a jail and were referred to our program and I followed them from jail to prison. Yeah. Um, mm. So we try to give people support as soon as they possibly can because many people don't know they're pregnant when they come there. Yeah. And yeah. it's just shocking to think of having, mm-hmm. and people kind of dismiss maybe missed cycles as like intense stress of yeah. going through the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. So then they are pregnancy tested when you get to the prison. Um, or a jail, and then they often find out they're pregnant, and it's just shocking. And then they soon learn they're not—they're going to have to deliver alone. You know yeah. that, like that's what you were seeing in the beginning. And what it used to be like is they could be shackled in their pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They could be—they were definitely shackled in the postpartum period. They were definitely being shackled in jails when they were going to medical visits, and just the whole, and then like the whole experience of not being able to parent your child. Um, no, that's, that's the end. I, that's the end. I see a lot because the women, you know, like we did, we, you know, we baptized almost 700 women inside of Shakopee prison over the years. And, you know, I get ready to baptize them and they are pregnant and I'll pray over the child. Everybody in the uh, gym, you know, it's packed. Everybody's so excited. It's like a Vikings football game. People are cheering and they're so excited for their friends getting baptized. But then we pray over that beautiful child then I see this woman come back um, after delivery, and she's ripped apart. She's crying. She can't, you know, just that separation from her baby that she's been pregnant with for such a long time. And, you know, in Africa, the unusual thing is Africa allows mothers to have their up to three-year-old with them. Now, I know that's not logistic here in the United States, but that's what they do in Africa for the, for the purposes of that child, the benefit of the child. But I have seen, and I'm in such support of what you guys are doing, um, that it just rips apart these women's hearts. And friends, as you're listening, I don't want you to say, well, okay, they're in prison, they've done their time, they deserve this. No way, we're human beings, all of us. And I keep thinking, what does Jesus think about this? And so I think what you guys are doing is groundbreaking. How long have you been doing Mm. it for, Erica? Thank you for saying all of that. Mm -hmm. Because in the beginning, people would just look at me sideways and they would be like, I'm sorry, what are you trying to do? You know, and we had so much pushback for it. And it took me to be being very courageous and just saying like, I think this needs to happen Mm -hmm. in the world. The women are saying it needs to happen. So it took us four years to get approval for the program. And we've been doing it for 10 years that we just had our 10th anniversary of Mm -hmm. the first birth. And we went and saw that child with her mother who's doing very, very well. It's just beautiful. Um, And then we, five years ago, we started a second project in Tutwiler prison in Alabama. So we've been doing that for five years and then slowly we've been branching out to the jail. So Mm-hmm. 10 years total. But I hear exactly what you're saying about in other countries. And this is why pre-COVID, our team started to travel to other countries to learn about innovation and incarceration for mothers, because we are way behind in America. And I visited prisons in Mexico City, which are considered to be some of the hardest prisons in the world. And that is, you know, children are stay with their mothers there for that same reason and are raised by like a community of women. Yeah. That's really the mentality. A community of women are raising them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but in places like Egypt, in place in, in Africa, I know that people's sentences will be deferred because culturally or religiously people believe that the child must be with the birth mother yeah. for the first three years of life. Mm-hmm. But in the United States, we don't see it like that, but it is changing. I yeah. know it is changing here. And 
I feel it changing and I see it changing all the time. And we recently were just working on legislation where I was at the Capitol a lot and I saw lawmakers on both sides of the aisle start to say like, I remember the word specifically collateral consequences. We can't be making social policy, whether it's health policy or criminal justice policy, without really sitting down and contemplating the collateral consequences intergenerationally, emotionally, psychologically, neurodevelopmentally for the children of mm-hmm. mothers. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes legislation. You know, after being in the Department of Corrections for 19 years and working with them, um, you know, they are trying the best they can. You know, but this is a dinosaur at times. And uh, and often, you know, it, it takes a lot to get change to happen. Um, and so how can our listeners come alongside and support you, Erica? There's a lot of ways. And I will say that, you know, giving a donation and like it's the kind of donations that are like $5 a month. You know, so like we as a program know there's a stream of money coming in to because we are not a volunteer organization. We believe that women's time is precious. There are so many things we're asked to do in life, right? Parent our children, take care of our homes, help our extended family, help our communities and work now in 2021, right? And to do this work is heavy on your heart. We're leaving our children to go do it. We want to have that same team of women who can just become experts for a very long time. So we pay all of our staff to do the work. And what type of um, people do you hire? We hire social workers. We hire formerly incarcerated women now. We have three who work on our team um, because they, they gave birth in our project. And they were like, I just want to go give back to women the same thing. You that know, I, I hear that time and time again. They just want to keep giving back because they're so thankful for the help. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Humans can be so beautiful, even in those dark, dark places. And I think maybe that's what keeps pulling you and I back to that work, because mm-hmm. some of the most profound human things you will experience are in the darkest places. And I, unless you've seen it yourself, it's hard to kind of imagine it. But that pulls me through the hard times when I think like, oh my goodness, this is so challenging, or there's so many obstacles, or nobody wants this, or people think I'm doing a bad job. I just stay focused on the women and like what I have seen with my own eyes, which Mm. is, it's powerfully good. Yeah. And what's the website they can go to to donate? Uh, Ostarainitiative.org. And how do you spell that? O-S-T-A-R-A, the word initiative.org. I love it. And- I will say a couple, you know, in the state of Alabama, um, which has, I, it's been really wonderful to work in the South, to work in a different culture where churches are, churches are a big part of community everywhere, but in the South, it's like a whole nother level. So in our program, I just want to tell a church story because it really inspires me. Um, We have permission and you're going to know how profound this is because you work in prison. We got permission to serve a meal every week in our pregnancy group. So we cook meals in partnership with churches and we carry it in and we set up a beautiful table of a healthy meal because in carceral settings, there's not access to nutritious foods, right? And in partnership with the churches, we're able to do it for very low cost. And I have get the opportunity to do that sometimes. So I get to travel to the churches, we pick up the food, we carry it in the prison, we eat together, and then we have a lesson about prenatal education, postpartum, parenting, something. And um, 
there was a woman one day we were picking up the food and she was just telling me that a bright spot in her week is when she's cooking the food and how she prays over the food when she's cooking it so that when the women eat it, they can feel her prayers. And I just, I just, that like gives me goosebumps every time I think about that. Beautiful. You know, um, as part of our travels, my husband and I have decided we're taking him for her ministries um, around the United States in different cities. Because whenever I go speak, I'll, I'll speak with Prison Fellowship Ministries, et cetera, as one of their keynotes. And then that prison will say, we really want a mentorship program to come in here. And, exactly. you know, the resources are limited. And so we've decided we're going to, you know, him for her ministries has a mentorship program. And so we're going to try our best to go into different cities and talk with communities and churches and uh, the wardens, et cetera, and talk about building a mentorship program in those cities. And this project would go hand in hand so beautifully with it because a high percentage, what is the percentage of women who come into prison pregnant? Did you say? Well, pregnant or have given birth in the last year, one in four. One in four. I mean, in the statistics for, you know, that women's population is the fastest growing population in prison, even versus men, even though there's more men incarcerated, ours is, you know, projecting all the faster because of drug use, et cetera. So um, more and more women are coming in pregnant. And, and I just think that this is a way to show love. And it's such, an, mm-hmm. it's such a difficult time. And we got to remember, friends, people that are incarcerated are human beings. And I mm-hmm. know, as I had said before, the Department of Corrections is doing the best that they can. But there's, it's programs mm-hmm. like this Minnesota Prison Doula Project under Ostara. Ostara I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, Good. It is, is the body of Christ is what I believe. And people are coming alongside and they're getting the love thing right. So hats off to you. Um, I know it was difficult for you to, to head this up. But you know what I love hearing your story, Erica, is that when you said you saw this person teaching this class and you knew that she didn't have any, you know, much experience and, and that this God was calling to, you didn't use the word God, cause I am, God is calling mm-hmm. you to this. And I see how he has mapped this future out for the women um, and encouraging mm-hmm. them along the way as they give birth. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And I agree with you. It's kind of the most divine work I think we can do as women for other women. So mm-hmm. Thank you for thank you for highlighting this work. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Do you have a little story that you can tell us of someone who's recently um, delivered and, and the process you guys went through? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to tell a story of a, a woman I worked with who's getting ready to have another baby now on the outside, and I'm going to get to go to her birth oh, good. Po- post-incarceration. So often... The, the women we worked with will want that. So like, this was such a great experience. Um, and I want you to see me not incarcerated. I want you to see me living a, my best life. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, this was a story. It was very much in the news. Um, someone broke into her home in the middle of the night and she had four children and that person attacked her. And she stabbed that person one time with a little pocket knife. Just a little pocket knife. She just grabbed it to defend herself. And because of the injury, it just like it was a freakish thing. That person died. And she was sentenced to 20 years in prison for that. And I met her in the jail. And she was six weeks. She didn't even know she was pregnant when she got to jail. And then she was facing 20 years in prison. And I would see her every week, you know, we hear prison and jail. 
just so people know prison is a place where people are it's kind of set up for people to live a long time there mm-hmm. jail is a very restrictive place and if you have a long trial like that no one is meant to live like that. You are in your room 23 hours a day. You're the cuffed, food is cuffed when you walk in the hallways. And... It's not a good, there's no access to outside. So she was there for not nine months, all of her pregnancy. I saw her. And then like you were saying about the department of corrections, it's a dinosaur. I, I try to really cultivate a lot of love for the people that work in that system. Um, because they're going through a lot of trauma too, right? And I, some of my greatest collaborators have been people in the Department of Corrections, um, and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was getting ready to have her baby while she was on trial for murder. She hadn't been convicted yet, and they were taking her to her hearing every day, cuffed, you know, with a actually this was right after the anti-shackling bill so she wasn't cuffed very pregnant in the winter in minnesota sitting on trial for murder and she was terrified of having her baby in the jails don't see a lot of birth so they um didn't really know what to do and she couldn't even have paper she didn't even have paper so she was trying to memorize my phone number so when she got to the hospital they would call her and she would write it on her skin if she could ever find a pen she was so terrified of delivering alone but we were able to work with the warden at that time to have her sent to Shakopee before she was sentenced because at least Shakopee if we think about it from like a harm reduction perspective Mm -hmm. can we do less harm they see a lot of births right Mm -hmm. so they have the doula program there. And she asked me for that. Like, could I just get to Shakopee so I can know where I'm settled when I'm going to give birth versus being here, which is really bad. So she got to Shakopee and three days later, she had her baby there, which is not uncommon, which is so shocking to be in a place and then deliver and just, you know, not know what's going on and then be separated from your baby. But then Later, I remember seeing her in the postpartum period a real lot, and she she had a really lovely birth. It was it was a really beautiful, fast, easy birth for her, and we got to share that. It was it was very good. Um, but I would see her at her postpartum visits, and she would just say, "This isn't my life. This isn't my life. I've never been in trouble before." Like, and you know, in prisons, people are often like saying that, so you're kind of like desensitized to people saying that, but that client of mine ended up um, having her case overturned by the Supreme Court and was released from oh, prison. Awesome. awesome. And what people need to know, too, is, you know, women inside a prison are sober and thinking straight, perhaps for the first time, versus jail, they come and go, coming in, come out. And, yeah. um, and I just want you to know that the women inside of there need your prayers. They need mm. your uh, hope. Uh, the Department of Corrections needs your support as a community when they come out. These women need jobs. They need opportunity. Um, you know, everybody needs a second chance. And I'm just so thankful, Erica, that you came on and talked about Ostara and the Minnesota Prison Doula Project because we are already short of time. I hate to say it went so fast. <laughs> okay. But thank, thank you, you so much, Erica, for sharing your heart and sharing what you guys are doing. How can our listeners be praying for you, Erica? Thank you so much for that question. I think we just passed a piece of legislation where we will be the first state in the country to no longer incarcerate pregnant people. Mm, Awesome. 
It's amazing. And I want the whole rest of the country to follow. Yes. That's the goal of Ostara's and prison birth in America. So to pray that people's minds and hearts can be open to new ideas yeah. and doing things differently mm. and that our project and others can shepherd these ideas for the next 10 years to just end this practice in our country. You know, let's do this. Let's make sure we talk off uh, air and get this, uh, you know, connection going. And as I'm in the different states, et cetera, let's talk to the officials and let's get this all throughout the United States. Ladies, I'm so thankful that you've joined us Erica Garrity, I'm so thankful that you're with us as well. And all of the work that you're doing, they need your donations. They need your support. Please look them up at Ostera Initiative online. And again, thank you so much, Erica, for coming on our show. Thank you. And ladies, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, perhaps today is the day. Because if he's prompting your heart to step forward and help with this initiative, would you reach out to us at himforher.org under the info line, and we'll put you in contact, and we're going to have her logo on our our website as well. My name is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey, ladies, this is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him For Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him For Her Crazy Testimonies, and each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony how they received Christ in their life. This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.